Hello and welcome to Balagan, the podcast that will put things in order for a better understanding of Israeli politics. I am Kobe Cohen, a former political advisor and currently a political columnist and Israel educator. In many of my conversations with my American friends and family, I have noticed that Israeli politics is challenging to understand and quite blurry at times. So I'm here to explain how it works, who are the different players, and why the different players are acting the way they act. So if you're interested in getting what's happening in Israel, that's your place. My podcast will be thorough and brief, with many guests, giving you the best information about Israeli politics and society. It will deal with the structure of the political system in Israel, the different groups of interest, the players' history, along with analysis of what is happening today. I promise to be as objective as possible and guarantee it will always be interesting. So stay tuned. Our two guests today had a lot to say, and it started with quite a long monologue of each one of them. I encourage you to listen well, as both of them are what you would call salt of the earth, and they have a lot to say about what's happening now with the protest against the government and Prime Minister Netanyahu. So thank you for your patience and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to Balagan. And today I'm happy to have two guests who are two of the leaders of the protests that are going on in Israel against uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Amir Askel and Asaf Agmon already started protesting a couple of years ago with Mecha'at HaYechidim, the singles protests. And they are here to speak to us today and to explain what is going on in Israel, what do they stand for, and what is their end goal. So without further ado, I would handle the mic to Asaf and to Amir to tell us a little bit about yourself. Amir, would you like to start? Yes, my name is Amir Askel. I'm 67 years old. I'm living in Yavne, which is 30 kilometers south of Tel Aviv. I'm married to Aliza. We have four children and six grandchildren. I served uh, 32 years in the IDF, in the Israeli Air Force, as a transportation pilot. My last assignment in the Israeli Air Force, I was the chief of personnel. And during my assignment, I initiate the project of witness in uniform. Polgach involved the IDF uh, journey to Poland. I had the privilege to heading the first delegation to Poland at August 2001. When I returned from Poland, I decided to devote my second career to research on Holocaust, which I have been doing since retiring in August 2003. Addition to occasionally guiding adults the journey in Poland, most of them uh, of the IDF. My years in the Holocaust research allowed me to seek insight regarding that era. The most significant of this is a deep understanding that the time of entailing by this inclination. The most significant of this is the deep understanding that in times of crisis, most people are declining to remind on the sideline and the danger entitled by this inclination. This is one of the major topics that occupied me as a guide in Poland. I believe that you cannot speak out against this behavior 
and then remain on the sideline when encountering something that aroused your concern. This is what caused me to begin solo public demonstration in October 2006. I began calling for Netanyahu resignation for three reasons. The first one, I reached the understanding that Netanyahu two-state vision is not based on any actual intention. This was eventually confirmed outright by Netanyahu associate Nathan Eshel. This means that we are on the way by national state and the end of the Zionist dream of Jewish and democratic state. This was the first reason. The second reason is that during Netanyahu year in government, he has done and is doing everything in his capacity to tear apart Israeli society, a state whose population is divided and torn as no future. The third reason is the declination of Israeli democracy as manifested in anti-democratic legislation, burning the boundaries between the branches of government and attack against gate speaker and press. In December 2016, the first involved Netanyahu began to surface and it became clear that he is not innocent of war doing. A person is on trail for offenses of bribery, fraud, and breach of trust. During my year of activity, I stood in major intersection joined all over Israel by some 80 activities. I marched twice from Prime Minister residence in Jerusalem in Balfour Street to his private home in Caesarea, distance of 121 kilometers. I also organized mobilized convoy to Jerusalem. Just a second, just to translate to our audience. To miles. It's around uh, it's se- 70 miles. miles. Yes. Yeah. I'm also organizing a motorized convoy to Jerusalem. Solo demonstrations are not easy. You are exposed to all the passer ape of whom some are supportive and other objective. Most of are indifferent. I demonstrated for weeks, months, in summer and winter, and I documented my effort on a social network. At a certain point, it was clear to me that in order to effect change, it is necessary to hold a sit-down strike at the entrance of the official prime minister resident at Balfour Street in Jerusalem. I embarked on this course on June 11, 2020, joined by several activities. Our struggle is an ethical struggle. The state of Israel cannot allow itself to be headed by a person accused of criminal act. Our message is that a person accusing of criminal war doing cannot be prime minister. Netanyahu is presenting the struggle as a left-wing attempting to bring down the right-wing government. We are not objecting to the right-wing as a whole, rather to a person accused of bribery, fraud, and breach of trust. Since beginning the seat in Balfour Street, we have been organizing Kabbalat Shabbat ceremony every Friday at 4 o'clock. On Friday, June 26, 
I was taken in for a questionnaire by the police on the claim that I had reached and approved terms of the demonstration. After the questioning, the police wanted to release me on self-bail on a condition that I would stay away from Jerusalem for 15 days. Another seven activities were held for interrogation together with me. I and two others refused to accept the terms of a bail and we were arrested. We spent the weekend at the Adarim jail until Saturday night when we were brought before a judge after bringing the argument of the police and those of our attorneys, the judge decided that we would be released immediately under no restriction terms. Our arrest arose a wave of fury and many people who had previously remained at home decided to join the protest. During the court hearing, hundreds of people stood outside and protested loudly. On June 12 and 13, inspectors on behalf of Jerusalem municipality, assisted by the police, raided on our camp on Balfour Street and confiscate equipment. Those events arose an additional wave of fury and we were joined by even more people. In the last months, we have been joined by young people expressing their frustration and rage at the large, wasteful government and a corrupt politician. The financial straits and the logical decision regarding the management of the COVID-19 pandemic. I have no political aspiration. I am doing this out of real concern for the future of my children and grandchildren and for the future of Israel. After Netanyahu resigned, I will gladly return to my previous occupation. Thank you, Amir. I think it sums up everything, but we want to hear uh, Asaf as well. And then I also want to ask you a couple of questions of what's going on on the daily matter in uh, Jerusalem and in overall. Asaf? Okay. Uh, first of all, Shalom. And it is a pleasure and honor for me to speak to you. Uh, the state of the Jewish nation, I believe that every Jewish everywhere is entitled to know, to learn, to respond, to raise his ideas regarding what is happening in his state, which is uh, the state of the Jewish nation. I was born in the same month, actually, or the same week almost, that the state of Israel was born in 1948. So you can calculate that I am now uh, 72 in Haifa, which is my hometown. My father was a worker in the port. Uh, after leaving a kibbutz that he established after running away from Germany just before the Second World War. So we were a very regular family with very, very um, modest means to raise a family. I never thought to be a military man. I never thought to approach politics. And actually when I um, joined the army, I volunteered to the Nachal, which is a way of uh, young people that were activists in the youth movement to go together, serve the uh, military service, and then to be what we call today settlers in, in a kibbutz or some kind of uh, village near the border. And my first war, the Six-Day War, I fought as an infantry in the Jerusalem arena. After the war, I made my mind that uh, we are not going to have peace soon. So I volunteered to the pilot academy 
thinking that I will serve what was compulsory for an air cadet for five years, and then we'll go back to the kibbutz or to the village that my friends will go there and continue my service as a reservist. But things went differently, and I found myself in the Air Force every time signing for more three years, one more year, next year I will retire, and it went on for 30 years. I graduated as a fighter pilot, and I uh, fought in the attrition war immediately uh, after the Six-Day War and before the Yom Kippur War. I was badly wounded in a training accident. I spent one year in the hospital in order to be able to recover and stand on my feet. Then I uh, couldn't fly anymore with airplane with ejection seats, so I went to the transport branch and I commanded two squadrons and two bases. And my last job, I was the defense attaché and military attaché in Japan and South Korea. When I retired, I decided that I will go to a private sector. I want to do something differently, to learn something differently. Nothing to do with uh, security or security business, but most of my time I spent doing uh, voluntary jobs, mainly in education for the young generation in the area of uh, technology. With my ex-chief of the Air Force, uh, General Binun, we brought to Israel uh, the American wonderful project uh, first. I believe that many of you know about this project. It's for uh, inspiration, for science and technology. A robotic project that inspires young children to choose science and technology as their career. And Israel actually is the only country beside the USA and Canada around the world that we have all the range of the project, which is very, very complicated, but a wonderful project. And so we have from kindergarten to graduate high school students that are doing this uh, job. Another part that I was very uh, much involved was I had the privilege with Amir for more than 10 years to be involved in the secret operation to rescue the Ethiopian Jews from the Sudanese desert. Actually, I was the first one to land in uh, Sudan and I continue with this job for more than 10 years. This brought me to high involvement with the American Jewish organization. Even in uniform, I was sent to raise money in order to support the observation of the Ethiopian Jews in Israel with the UJC and the Lion of Judea mainly. And I keep being involved in organizations that are trying to support the observation of the Ethiopian Jews in the Israeli society. I did another job, and one more that I can mention is I uh, headed the Fisher Institute for uh, Aerospace Technology. Mainly, we established a very close tie with NASA. Mainly, after the, the tragedy of Ilan Ramon, we established an annual huge conference of space, which uh, every year, high official from the Space Command of the U.S. Air Force, and most of the times the head of NASA came to Israel and we brought astronauts, and the main idea was to encourage the Israeli space technology and industry, and more than that, to encourage young people to choose science and technology by seeing astronauts and admiring astronauts and want to follow them in the ways that they uh, went. As I mentioned in the beginning, an approach politics. When you are military men, it's out of your scope of interest. I was deeply involved in interesting in what is happening because I was sure that everything that we are doing is related to politics, but our generations, generally speaking, we thought that by doing either in the military or in the academy or in the industry or in education, we are contributing our most 
important role in establishing and uh, in prosperity in the state of Israel. And this is something that I realized only about four years ago, that by doing so, when we ignore the political arena, we make a very, very big mistake. By doing so, people that have different interests went into politics, and it's become worse and worse and worse. Today, we have the chief of the coalition, a Knesset member. His name is Miki... Zohar. Miki Zohar, that in front, in public, in the television, says that what he is looking in his life is power, money, and to be honored. Yeah, But to get the people his... respect. That's yeah. all he cares about. Yeah. And this is something that is exactly 180 degrees opposite to what I believe that a civil servant or a Knesset member or parliament member or Congress member should uh, want and should do. So four years ago, after I realized that all the associations that I am belonging to, we have uh, commanders for the security of Israel, we have women uh, who want to make peace, we have Geneva Initiative, all the organization, which include wonderful people, has zero influence on what's happening in our society, and more than that, in the ways that Israel is going. And I understood that the only political arena is the arena that things are decided there. As Amir said, that uh, his uh, involvement in the Holocaust study and learning and trying to understand led him to the understanding that the bystanders are the ones that you should blame. I was very, very much influenced by incident. I came across the speech of Theodore Roosevelt, uh, the man in the arena, that he gave uh, 110 years ago in the Sorbonne, in France, after he finished his two terms of president of the U.S. And I read it 100 times, and it's near my bed. And in this speech, she expressed wonderfully that the only men that go down into the arena and try to do something and fight and fail and fail on his face and fail again, he is the man that is doing something that is meaningful. And all the others are standing on the tribune and giving advices and uh, giving their opinions. They have no influence whatsoever. And I decided to, to go into the arena. At the beginning, we didn't know what to do. So that was the first time that Amir and myself met together in this. We, we are friends for many years. We serve in the same base. And uh, we met each other many, many times in the cockpit and in the discussion table in the Air Force. But regarding politics, we came together and we decided that we want to gather good people, that they, they don't have personal political uh, agenda, but they want to do a change in the direction that the state of Israel is going. And we established an association and we had an argument between ourselves or we had a kind of hesitation. What should be the way that we should go? Either to establish a new political party, with new people, you know, pure people, with no background of any kind of tricks and shticks of the old politicians, or to join an existing party, a democratic party that has primaries, and to try to put four of us or a group of us that will be tied together with a deep commitment to each other, not as individual, into the, a party candidate. We couldn't decide. Because each way has its pawns and cons, and it's very complicated. 
But after Avi Gabay was selected to be the chairman of the Labour Party, I thought that Avi Gabay, with his background and with his achievement, is the one that can be a realistic alternative to Netanyahu. And I tried to convince our association to join the Labour Party and to support Avi Gabay in the Labour Party. But half, or even more than half, decided that they want to stay with the way of established new parties. They established a new party, Achi Israeli. They took people from many sections of the Israeli society, but... Oh, with the Dina Ben Shalom, right? With the... Yeah, with Adina Bar Shalom. Adina Bar Shalom and the uh, other uh, social activists from different yeah. eras in Israel. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a practical issue. You know, it's a wonderful dream to establish a new government, a new party. But you need so much money, so much time, and you need so many people that will vote for you in order to be elected to the, to to the, the Knesset. Knesset that right. is mission for us. I believe, and still believe, that it is mission impossible. On the other hand, Aviga by faith. And then we found ourselves with really no platform to push our understanding that without removing Bibi Netanyahu from his position as so long our prime minister, we will not be able to do any change in our society. And then Amir started with his individual uh, protest, which I admire him staying so many times for so long times in junctions and bridges and, and places, yeah, yeah. suffering all the response of, you know, not very polite people. I could not stand it, but uh, Amir is different uh, than me. And I try to find ways to establish a kind of movement that will attract the young people to go after us. I used to say, it's a military uh, term, that uh, the first ones that are breaking into a fortress or any kind of uh, military post are lying on the bench and the other are climbing above them and running into the target. So I used to say to them that our generation is willing now to lie on the trenches in order that they will climb on us in order to achieve the goal. But for many long months, yeah. nothing happened. And our young generation was looking at us with a kind of, you know, astonishment, I used to say. Not admiring, not uh, ignoring, but with a kind of astonishment. What these people are wanting? The turning point, I think, that Amir and myself approached from different direction was that we realized that Balfour, the street, our symbolic symbol of governing. Of governance, yeah. The house of the Israel Prime Minister is, is the point. Because before that, everyone say, what should be the way to gather 100,000 people in Rabin Square in order to do something, to do the revolution or to do something that will have a great effect? Because in our history, after the Yom Kippur War, there was a gathering of 400 people in Rabin Square, and this made Golda Meir to resign, and there was the change in the government. And after the first... Uh, also Lebanon in the first war, Lebanon war, after the Sabra and Shatila. Yes. After Sabra and Shatila, 400 people are demanding the government to accept the investigation committee uh, results and made uh, Ariel Sharon to resign as his position of defense minister. So people was aiming at Rabin Square, and we understood that Balfour Street, it's very unlike the White House, but symbolically, is the White House. But yeah, the main technically, it is. Technically, <laughs> it is. But physically, there is no mall. 
right. before uh, Balfour Street. It's a very narrow place. And we understood that if 5,000 people, that was what Amir and myself agreed, if we succeed to bring 5,000 people in Balfour Street, then it will have the effect. We never dreamed that uh, last Saturday there were almost 40,000 people there. Then we thought, what should be the first act that will make the trend from Rabin Square to Balfour Street? And then the first act, we decided that 10 of us or 15 of us will handcuff ourselves to the gate of Balfour. Said, you know, it's a street. To the outside gate, because these days it's blocked from both ends. It's so you can't really get you know, to the Prime Minister's uh, house. For, yeah. for American people, try to imagine that in the mall there is a gate that only the people that live in the street before the White House can go in. And there is a huge yeah. black curtain. curtain that will not allow you to see what is going on on the other side. We tied ourselves to the gate to the street, not to the gate to the house, it's the gate to the street. You cannot approach the house. And we did it in a very sophisticated way because everybody told us that you have no chance to do it because the, the Shabak, the people that are the security guy will not allow you to do so. And uh, we succeeded to do so in a way that they could not untie us. They tried, but they understood that it will cause a lot of attention. And we uh, call all the media, mainly the international media. So everything was under media cameras. And the police, quite smartly, decided, let's have sit there. And we were thinking that when we will finish, they will arrest us or do something to us. And then we stayed there for four hours. And we got all the media attention. And then we handcuffed ourselves and we went home. So it was for two days on the news and nothing happened. So Amir came to the decision that he is going to sit in Balfour Street. He called it the chairs protest. And he said... What turned to be an matzav. Okay, yes. Because the municipality don't allow you to put a tank or to sleep there. So he said, I will sit on a chair. It is legal and I will do it. And I told him, Amir, you can sit there two years and four years and Netanyahu will not give a damn about it. It is ridiculous. But Amir so, published it on the Facebook, and he told me, look, 200 people are saying are attending. They, will come, yeah. they will come with me. I told him, if 200 people tell you that they come, if two will come, you should be happy. <laughs> but Amir is Amir, he went there, and there were 10 or 15, I don't know exactly the number at the beginning, and I was sure that after a week he will give up. And after he stayed there, I decided, okay, I don't believe in it, I'm skeptical, but I will join it. And then we start to join together. And then we start with Kabbalah Shabbat, which the first one, it was, I think, five or 800 people gathered on the sidewalks. The police didn't let us go on the street. And Amir brought a professor that gave a speech about the importance of Shabbat. And, you know, Kabbalah Shabbat, very serious Kabbalah Shabbat, like, you know. And I was stuck there with all the people and we have the corona already, which was very, very unsafe. And the police tried to put us as close as possible in order to not let us spread. And then on the next Friday, I decided after I got a big scandal at my house for my family, you are in danger yourself, you endanger us with the corona. I decided that I will protest by, I will do Kabbalah Shabbat at my home and then I will go to Balfour. And then happened what Amir told you. But I want to emphasize one thing that for me was very dramatic. 
when the police officer, a high police officer, get out from his car, he went immediately to Amir in order to arrest him. And for me, it was sure, it was a sign that he is doing what he was doing because somebody told him to do so. And it's illegal. And more than that, when he called the Amir, he told him, first right in Hebrew, and then I tried to explain it to, to translate it to English, he, he told him, Yalla, yalla, yatataluf, I will try to put it in English words, and you will try to correct me. It's like, come on, come on, your general, go on the police car. Oh, yeah. It's something of very, very, very disrespect. When a uniform man, a policeman, a high-ranked policeman, is treating with such disrespect a general in the Israeli Defense Force, for me, it's a huge crisis. Something in our values were destroyed. How come that something like this happened? And then what happened after that is what Amir told you, because it was too much in Israel to somebody that live in Tel Aviv to go to Jerusalem. It's something... Yes, they need to plan ahead. Yes, they need to 40, get 40 the suitcase miles, and everything. 40 miles, which means you are going, you are climbing to Jerusalem. It's a big deal. Half an hour from Tel Aviv, 40 minutes from Tel Aviv. But it's something that a citizen of Tel Aviv is not doing very easily. Yeah. He more easily will go to the Sea of Galilee or to Elad than to Jerusalem, which is... And, and especially, and, if I may say, Asaf, for a second, I'm a Jerusalemite born and raised, and I... I witnessed Jerusalem at the time of the Oslo Accords and all of the protests, by the way, on Balfour Street, on Gaza Street, with the settlers. And I remember the day used to come, they were very organized. I mean, they had the buses that were taking the students in the West Bank would bring the protesters to Jerusalem. So they were, in a way, well-funded by the state to go and protest against the state. I actually want to ask you, you were talking about the youth. Both of you are considered what we would call the salt of the earth, you know, Melech Haaretz, people who served the army for many years, gave most of their adult life to the state security, and then you are treated by criminals. And what I actually want to ask you is, most of the protests in the world actually starts from the younger generation. And in Israel, it seems now that something different happened. For years, you guys were there alone. I mean, in the junctions, on the streets, nobody was joining. What happened that now the younger generation woke up? What do you think was the tip point? I believe that what happened a month ago, you can call it the Jewish Spring. I looked what happened in Tunisia when the Arabic Spring started, and it's very, very similar to what happened here. It's a one municipality policewoman uh, hit a merchant on the market and took all his stuff and he tried to get it back and the municipality did not let him so at the end of the day he burned himself and then a huge demonstration of young people actually made a revolution and when you examine or you study what brought the young generation to do so in a country that is not common of the young generation to do so. It was that uh, Ben Ali, the, yes, the president I'm, I'm... of Tunisia, was ruling for too many years in a very uh, corrupted way, in a way that he tried to get as much money and resources from the country to his family and himself. And the law enforcement forces used a brutal force on the citizens. 
And it's very similar to what happened in Israel when Amir was arrested. And the young generation joining the protest a month ago, for me, it's the Jewish spring because I believe that nothing will be again like it was before. After Bibi will go and Bibi will go, these tens of thousands of young people will not let the country to be as before. It will not come back to the, you know, nostalgia of people with uh, the blue shirts of the youth movement, uh, dancing the uh, horror and things like this. It will not be like this. But there will no more be politicians that you cannot trust them because the young people will not let them. I believe that we are going to a new era in our political life and in our society life. You see the young people that everybody was, you know, thinking that they care nothing and they will do nothing and all these kind of things. You know, months or two months ago, you see them coming week after week to Jerusalem in a very peaceful way, suffering the violence of the police, not giving up, although they are endangering their life even in some of the actions done by the police. And at the end of the day, after they finish the protest, they are cleaning the street. I was shocked last Saturday. I saw young people cleaning the street with their hands, taking, you know, chewing gum from the street, from the road with their hands, in a plastic bag that they brought from home, or we gave them, and they cleaned the street. The street of Jerusalem never was so clean as it was after the demonstration on Saturday, and just as a symbolic. And you know, we gave them water because it's hot. And so we got water and we supplied them with a bottle of water. And they are standing on line. You know, in Israel, nobody's standing in line. You have to go to America to see people standing in line. And these young people were standing in line. And anyone that got that bottle of water say, Toda, thank you. I never heard so many thank you in my life like I heard in last Saturday. So it is a change that they will demand a new way of political life in Israel, a new way of the commitment of leaders to the people. And they will not give up because they understood the power that they have. And it's not like, you know, in 2011, there was a huge protest of the young generation mainly, and it was because of the cost of living. So one was thinking that the cottage is too expensive, and one was thinking that the the milky to, was too expensive. <laughs> the, to, to get an apartment is too expensive. Uh, and another one thinks that the cost of a kindergarten is too expensive. There was not one A. And now this demonstration and this the protest is with no leaders. Amir and ourselves, we are not leaders. We are just giving them some facility to do their protest. And it's homemade protest. They come, they make a decision at home. They take a piece of paper or a piece of carton put some words on it, and go to Jerusalem. But there is one common word in all of them, in all the ten of thousands, which is Bibi, go home. They can come from the right wing, they can come from the left wing, they can be religious, they can be secular, they can be men, they can be women. All of them with the same message, Bibi, go home. And you find now in Jerusalem, which is very right-wing uh, city. You see that the people, the right-wing uh, people, look at us and understand 
is that we are right. The people are right because they understand that even for the right people, the people that believe in one-state solution and all, they believe that Bibi must go. I had a, a conversation with a friend of mine, also from the Air Force, Eliezer Yaari, he's an author and he's a Jerusalem-born yes. guy. He was a classmate of Bibi in Jerusalem, in Rehavia. And he said, you cannot understand what this demonstration is achieving. It's achieving that Jerusalem become the focal point of the Israeli society. Because before that, we were speaking about Tel Aviv country, and there is no more Tel Aviv country. It's Jerusalem country, and the Jerusalem is the main point of Israel. And this is the first achievement of this demonstration. And this is very, very important, I think, and this will cause a great change. Still, we have a long way to go, because at the end of the day, we have to influence or to force. The two 120 Knesset members, our current Knesset member, to vote that Bibi will go or to vote to go to a new election. And they have, they must do their choice. It is historical choice. Each one of them that will not support this, the people's vote. Each of our Knesset members that will not support or the, the people's the, the will. People demonstration yeah. will be erased from the political life forever, I'm sure. So they have to do their choice. Either they do what our people want, or they will have to disappear. And this is a very, very important moment. It is a historical moment in the life of the State of Israel, I believe. 2020 is a historical year in the life of the State of Israel. And since our time is a bit short, we're already at an hour of a recording. I want to ask you, so we can count on you to stay in Balfour until Netanyahu is out of Balfour? I hope that we will have the force to do it. We have the will to do it, okay? You definitely have the there. will. You are a living proof to the saying, Am Hanetzach lo mefached midereh haruka. Exactly. I believe that we will stay till it will be removed, and I will tell you more than that. I want to say that if we will give up, then another people will come. We will not give up. We will not give up because people are looking on us. And we are now a symbol. And we will not move from Balfour till Bibi will get out from Balfour. Bibi has to understand that his contract to live in Balfour is over. It's not it's for over. life, you it's say. It's terminated. <laughs> it's terminated. The owner of the house, which is the people of Israel, people of want Israel. him to go out and to have another tenant in this house, which will be a respectful or at least a clean prime minister that will try to rehabilitate some of the damages that is done by people. Well, I want to thank you for your time and for providing us with a lot of information about what is going on and what are you exactly standing for. I think it's important for our audience to hear it from the first source. And I hope that you won't need to stay on the streets for a long time. And to see you again in uh, better days. Thank you very much. And as Amir said, uh, yesterday when we celebrate his birthday, he said, uh, you oh, know, happy the, birthday. Yeah, <laughs> the good part of living on the streets is that you meet so many good people, really good people. I become much more optimistic person after I met so many very, very good patriotic people that I can be proud of. And this is very, very important. I agree. We shall overcome and we will win because we are doing the right thing. So there is no other option. Okay, you 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode and wanted to thank you for joining me. If you like my podcast, feel free to rank it and share it with others. I also invite you to subscribe to my podcast so you will get updates when a new episode is on the air. And last but not least, I invite you to check my website, Balagan, www.balagan.ltd, for more content about Israel's history and politics. Bye for now and have a great day.